You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. We rob people of this second, you know, the step you're talking about in the Roman road where, you know, you need to feel the weight of that consequence so that you don't make that a lifestyle choice of all of a sudden, I'm not going to practice or I'm not going to study or I'm not going to do my homework. You know, that becomes a lifestyle choice if we keep removing the consequences when it's in that second stage of sin. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I'm Taylor. Today, joined by two special guests. First, we have lead pastor Jose Avaroa with us. Good morning, Taylor. Tomorrow's Jose, birthday, man. It is. It's I don't know birthday. when everyone else is listening to this, but it is. It's yeah, Tuesday, day. May 11th. Oh, okay. Yes, thank you. Thank Taylor's you very birthday. much. And we are joined by one of the teaching pastors here, Sean Stover, Dr. Sean Stover in the building with us. Sean, thanks for being here. Good morning. Happy early birthday. Happy late birthday when everybody's listening to this. It's turning to me quick. Okay, well, let's get back on track here. We are continuing a series on United. And so Jose, as I always like to do to start off, would love to hear your thoughts. Um, not only as you prepared for this week, talking about United and Conviction, but also just kind of how this pieces together into the whole series about being united as one body. That's a good question, Taylor, because last week we talked about how we're united under Jesus, how he is the source of power, the gospel is, and how um, in this church in Corinth back then there was some issues with leadership. And so um, Paul makes it clear in these first chapters that it's not about the messenger, it's about the message. And then here he's speaking to a specific issue. Um, They don't seem to be united in conviction. They seem to think that the sin issue is okay. And so, um, yeah, the second part, the second chapters really focus on how we need to be as his body united in conviction, knowing what we are convicted about and how God reconciles, how God forgives and redeems. And then we'll look at how we're called to be united in harmony as we all play our part in the church. That's 1 Corinthians 12, 13, or 11, 12, 13. And then finally, we'll close out the book with united on mission. So hopefully, yeah, that gives a little bit of clarity as to where um, this fits in the grand puzzle of First Corinthians. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, a lot of your message yesterday was focused on sin, which is not always the everyone's favorite thing to talk about, but it's super important. I felt like you did yeah. a good job yesterday of clarifying and just showing how even just Paul's heart towards the church just really made this a big deal all throughout his letter and, and his multiple letters to various churches. And so I want to kind of jump through some of the points that you kind of had for us, starting with uh, kind of to be united in conviction. And the first point you gave us was to reveal the sin. This is number one, to reveal the sin. And I want to, there's so much we could kind of expound on each of these, but I'd love to uh, hear your thoughts on this, Sean, too. But just this idea of the difference between temptation and then sin and even living in sin, because I think that as it comes to just revealing our sin, we should start by just kind of defining what this looks like. And so uh, maybe Jose, I'd love for you to kind of kick things off, kind of talking about the difference between the three and why it's important yeah. for us as it comes to applying uh, part of the message. Yeah. So you and I, Taylor, were having a conversation earlier today about temptation and how it is really this gravitational pull that we feel in our mind. And um, we we have these desires that are not from the Lord, but they're just something that we deal with on earth. Everyone does, every person does, and they look very different and how that in and of itself is not sin. So it's important that we uh, remember that temptation is not sin, but when we agree to act upon those desires, whether in thought or in action, um, that, that turns into sin. And that's where it gets, that's where the slippery slope gets really 
um, steep in which it leads us to this lifestyle of sin, which is what we see in 1 Corinthians 5, where this man is not only sinning, he's not only falling into sin, but he's saying that, you know, this is what his life is. He's living in sin. And then uh, this church is saying that that is okay. They're not confronting. Um, They're saying that they're proud. So anyway, yeah, those three distinctions are important. What temptation is, what sin is, and then a life of sin. Um, so, Sean, I'll let you tag onto that real quick too, but I also love to open up a little broader talking about revealing sin. I know for me, it's like, I don't want to reveal sin, not only to myself, yeah. but especially to other people. So maybe just hearing both of y'all's thoughts on kind of how would you encourage someone that, you know, they, they know, like, I know there's sin there. Like I, I experience the consequences, whether internally or externally every day, but, but what would be kind of an encouragement to, to revealing the sin? But feel free to tackle any of that. I think that the Bible and you guys together this morning are doing a good job at, at identifying these three different levels, temptation, sin, and then a lifestyle of sin. And I think that revealing that process looks different in each area. And that's why the earlier we catch this and the earlier we start speaking out about this, the better chance we have. So, you know, when you when you sense temptation in your life to have a community group or a mentor or a friend alongside you that you're able to share, hey, I'm feeling tempted in this area you know, it's not easy to do, but man, it's 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 okay. It's almost acceptable in our society to say, hey, I'm struggling with this thought of, you know, something lustful in in, in a relationship, or I'm struggling with this coworker and, and anger that feels like it's going overboard, or I'm I'm struggling with the temptation to to drink maybe more than I should when I'm out with friends or in certain to be able to to express that is is almost safer to in the first step in the process when you're just being tempted. Because once you fall into the sin, now all of a sudden you're having to admit, man, I've done something wrong. But again, still a good place to do that and have safe people in your life so that you can admit that sin first and foremost to God, but then to people around you. Once it becomes a lifestyle, unfortunately at that point, we develop all these justifications for why we're doing it and why it's okay to do it and why that person over there is doing it. And God accepts and loves me no matter what I do. And all these fallacies start to enter our mind. And then we start hiding things from the people around us because we are worried, man, I might be exposed by that. And so the further you go down that that list of three that you said, the harder it is to kind of get people around you uh, and to open up about what's going on. And that's why I think in this case, Paul is being so strong because he's like, man, they've already passed the temptation yeah. stage where they weren't able to be helped. They've already passed the sin stage where they didn't respond to probably confrontation and the consequences that they were feeling and the shame and guilt in their in their own spirits. Now they're in this lifestyle place and it, you got to come down pretty hard when you get to that spot. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. And he continues being kind of strong when he talks about the consequences of sin and kind of, Jose, your next point there was remembering that sin is deadly. And I think just in our culture and the time, it's like, we don't we don't want to think about that. We don't want to go there as far as just, you know, we experience maybe the consequences, but as far as maybe even just sharing that with other people is something that you try and stay away from. So what is, I'd love to hear both of y'all's thoughts on what is the importance of remembering not only that sin is deadly, but how can we just practically kind of remind ourselves that, hey, this is not something that we want to play around with. And this is not something that's going to lead to life. Yeah. Wow. A lot of different thoughts are <laughs> coming to my head, but I'll, I'll share this. The Romans road uh, to salvation came up this week because a, I had that experience with, um, you know, this, uh, grandma and mom in the hospital that asked for that. And so it, it, it was put back into my attention, but then when I started reading it, I loved how that first step, um, 
all have fallen short. Every human has fallen short. Every person has sinned before God. Yes, Adam was the first, but every single one of us followed suit and still do every day. And so that puts all of us on the same level playing field. And I think we sometimes believe the lie that we are better than other people. And that's what creates this chasm or that's what uh, makes somebody not go to some uh, uh, somebody in the church because they think they'll be judged. The second part is, you know, equally as important that all for the wages of sin is death. All sin is deadly. It leads to death ultimately. And so remembering that I think is important because we will be um, told lies in our minds. Uh, in as, as we talk to people around us, they will say, it's really not that bad for you. It's actually, you know, really close-minded way to think if you think that this is, this is bad or that this is still going to steal away. And unfortunately, that's the enemy's influence. It's not ever any one person, but that's the enemy's influence in our world that is speaking these lies that God does not want the best for us, but we can just indulge in whatever we want. And that's going to bring us um, satisfaction when the reality is, no, it's, it's deadly. I think that what you just said, Jose, is so important to remember. And that is that there are consequences to sin. And we do a lot of things in our culture to remove the consequences, the natural yeah, consequences point. from people when they are sinning. We do. We, we say, it's, that's okay. It's not that bad. You, you, so we make things acceptable that shouldn't be acceptable. I see this a lot in parenting. Mm-hmm. Kids make mistakes. They, they, they forget to study for a test or they you know, blow off their homework or they don't work hard and then, and then they don't perform well in band or sports or whatever they're doing. And we make excuses for them as parents. And we're like, hey, hey, rather than suffer the consequences and not get to play or not get to go to that band concert or, you know, you fail that test, we're going to go talk to that teacher for you. We're going to go yeah. talk to that coach yeah. for you. We're going to make excuses for why you didn't do that. And when we take away the consequences of behavior we rob people of this second, you know, the step you're talking about in the Roman road where, you know, you need to feel the weight of that consequence so that you don't make that a lifestyle choice of all of a sudden, I'm not going to practice or I'm not going to study or I'm not going to do my homework. You know, that becomes a lifestyle choice if we keep removing the consequences when it's in that second stage of sin. And uh, I think you did a good job of pointing that out yesterday that there are consequences we as a society have got to be okay with letting those consequences right. happen and not just accepting everything that's going on out there. It's yeah. not good to lust after somebody else's wife. It's not good to drink to excess so that you're out of control. It's not good to let your anger become wrath that becomes you know, destructive to people around you. We've got to be okay with saying, hey, there's consequences when you do those things. And because it's the consequences that convict us, that turn us back toward the healing path that we want to be on. Yeah, and what we see is the church being asked to be a part of that consequence or, or encourage that man to, not encourage, really kick him out and say, look, you aren't acting based on what you say you believe. If you say you believe in Jesus and yet you're acting in this way, those things are incompatible. There's one thing, again, to fall into sin. I, I said this first service, but I didn't say it. Uh, during the 1030 gathering that, uh, you know, there's one thing to say that you fall into sin, but this man is saying that this is okay. And so that's, that that's, that's in, again, incompatible in when I love that verse um, in verse five, he says, uh, <laughs> send him, hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed. I don't love that part, but I love this part. And he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. So there's hope when we are actually 
living that consequence, we realize that we need a savior and we realize that we need to turn our lives, um, you know, upside down. And that's, that's what the Lord is in the business of doing. You said a word there that it's worth just pointing out. You said fall into temptation. And that's such a passive, unimpressive way to think about it. When the reality is we agree with temptation. Eventually we make a choice somewhere along the way and we've got to be willing to acknowledge, yeah, I got myself into it. The, the temptation was around me. The enemy came against me, but I had to. I had to agree with that. I had to make some choices to get here, um, so that we can own our side of yeah, this. Totally personal responsibility. That's really good. This next point here is talking about recognizing the sin is viral. Recognizing sin is viral, and a lot of this is intense because sin is intense, and the consequences, like we just talked about, are intense. But Jose, I love the point that you kind of mentioned here that really stood out to me. Just this idea that God loves us so much that He will bring things to the surface that we may want to just kind of keep keep down and keep close. So I'd love to hear both of y'all's thoughts on that as far as, yes, God is just and we do not deserve any of his love based on how we've acted, but just even part of that kind of grace and mercy that he allows, just he, he wants our sin to be evident so that we can move towards healing. Yeah. If we have people that are around us that love the Lord and that care for us and even maybe may not know um, all that following Jesus looks like, but they love you a ton. Uh, Roman says that the law of the Lord is written in our hearts. And so a lot of times when those sins happen, I can think of, you know, I didn't grow up in the church, but as an 18 year old, I was in a couple of circumstances that were not good for me. And my parents yanked me out of those um, circumstances. They found out. I didn't tell them. I didn't confine. I got caught. They yanked me out of that circumstance and literally put me on a plane and sent me off to Miami to, to hang out with another group of friends to separate me from that unhealthy environment. And uh, the sin was spreading in my life and it was actually um, spreading to my friends' lives too. And I'm so grateful that God showed my parents that um, at that time. Now, if I would have been 24 that probably wouldn't have been as as um, as uh, successful, right? Because we we grow and, and we leave, but we all need people in our lives in every season that are watching out and saying, "Hey, I heard you say this," or "Hey, I've been watching this pattern in your life. What's what's going on there?" Uh, that is God's kindness, and when that happens, it it, it is worth uh, swallowing our pride and, and checking in. Is there something there? Because God wants to fill that spot. I think that it's been the joy of my life to get to journey along people as they share their story and the people that I run into over and over again as a counselor, you know, they, they share the stories and the, the pain and the, the consequences of the sin in their life and the times they agreed with temptation and the times that they made choices to, you know, ultimately agree in sin. And then the lifestyles that that led them to and the beauty of seeing the healing power of a God who loves them and who shows them grace and mercy and is present in their lives. Uh, It's, it's the thing people say, you know, how, how can you prove that there's a God? And my answer is I wish you could have sat in the seat and just seen the power that he has to change the hearts of people who have been broken and hurting because that's the greatest testimony I've ever seen in my life. Um, it just makes me excited to know that this God loves me and loves us. Yeah, that's so good. And that's kind of a great way of tying into the point about resting in the power of the gospel and just based on how there was that the list in uh, verse 10, I believe, that was just talking about, or 9 and 10, just talking about 
you know, kind of the way of the world. And then just verse 11, just talking about, and so were we at one point, you know, yeah. those, and just kind of the, the humbling nature of that, because I feel like so much of church has been in some ways, rightfully uh, given this, this uh, reputation of being judgmental or just kind of this self-righteous. And so, because there's been a lack of vulnerability and a lack of um, just being able to show grace because we too also need grace. And so I'd love for both of y'all to kind of just talk on that too, as far as how can we be, I think this ties in also to being a church for the city that we've been talking about in the series, but how do we just as individuals remember and rest in that grace and in the power of the gospel? Yeah, I think it really has to do with um, making this a daily thing that we're aware of, that there is a battle going on for our soul. Um, there is an enemy out there that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And although those things are true, greater is he who is in us um, than he who is in the world. That the same Holy Spirit that raised the dead body of Jesus and brought him back to life lives inside me and wants to make me new today. And that allows me to rest because I can get lost, like I shared yesterday, in religion games and trying to prove myself to others and to God and say, hey, look how good I did, you know, don't don't I deserve a blessing for this? Or, yeah, I really messed that one up. I'll probably have to pay for that later. Um, but God doesn't keep score. He um, loved us so much that he gave his son. And that is good news, was yesterday, is today, and will be again tomorrow. So, Resting in the gospel is um, has to be a daily thing for me. It's a good reminder from a few weeks ago, the message you gave, Jose, about our need to first and foremost look inside ourselves and get ourselves in a healthier place before we go out and uh, try to judge the people right. around us. And I, I love that Paul, you know, concluded that difficult section by saying, you know, but man, that was me. You know, I could give you the list of things that shouldn't be acceptable in church and shouldn't be acceptable in the human heart. And that was me uh, just not too long ago. You know, and I want to say, well, that was me just an hour ago, you know, <laughs> coming in here. So it's a good reminder that when we do respond to people um, with conviction, uh, that it needs to be done in love uh, for the reason of ultimately bringing them back to the Lord and back to a saving relationship and back to a healthier place to live their life. Cause that's what God's done for me. And uh, I would want to do that for others. I know you're about to ask us another question, but <laughs> since you went through all of those points uh, and you've listened to the sermon a few times, where does it land for you, Taylor? You're in a different place in your life. Also we are. point four. I just want to. Okay. Uh, we can go back to we that. We don't need we to go, go back, back. but yes. it is an important, it is an important point okay. <laughs> because, well, we'll well, I just want to add this for, for point four. And I, I, sometimes I feel like I'm reiterating myself on the podcast, which I don't want to do. But this was a big one for me. I was sin dilutes the power of the gospel um, because it actually is a revelation for me that the reason why sin is such a big deal is because Jesus paid for every sin that we've committed. And so if I think of my sin in my, with, with Jesus' sacrifice in mind, it does put a different weight on it. And so if I'm saying that something that God says is bad, if I say that it is good, um, then yeah, that, that really, that, that was a game changer for me. So that's all, that's all. I have I, thanks for, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. Uh, yeah so, no, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Sean, I think, I think the takeaway for me in just this message is, which I think 
Um, Jose, you did a great job of just kind of, again, highlighting the severity of sin. And I think that's something that I just look at my own life. And I think that that's something I want to grow in. That's something I was praying about this morning, just that um, I don't know whether you attribute it to growing up in the church or just being familiar with these messages over and over. But I think if I look back just even the last week, it's it's easy for me to just kind of, I would never say this out loud, but I, I act in a way where it's like, I didn't think I sinned like at all. And that sounds like terrible to say out loud because I know it's not true. But I think because I've I've come up with so many excuses or just it's been things that I just kind of think, oh, that's not, that's not a big deal. I didn't, I didn't kill anybody or do anything, you know, crazy. And so I think that's where after a message like this, it's like asking God to just give me his heart for my sin and just reveal and search my heart and and show me ways. Because I think that it's it starts there kind of in the first point here about just recognizing and realizing the sin in my life. And then um, transitioning to the last question, because I want to, I'll pitch Just into what you were saying though, that that normalization and rationalization of our behaviors, man, the enemy just loves that, yeah. you know, yeah. for us to, to glass glance over what we're doing and just notice the big stuff going on and everybody else. And I, I do the same thing. I'm glad you said that. It's so easy for me to think, Oh, I, I didn't really do anything too bad today. I did a pretty good job, you know, but compared to the standard God has set for me or compared to the price Jesus paid on the cross, I mean, there's a, there's always room for growth. And if I don't rationalize or normalize it or try to get rid of it, because the problem with that is in that, that allows it to stay in the dark. That's where the enemy wants it. You know, he wants it in the dark where he can mess with it and he can use it against us. He can bring more temptation. Uh, but if we don't do that, if instead we take an honest look and we shine a light on ourselves, it comes into the light where Jesus healing, you know, and that's why having other people to confess your yeah. temptations to having a community group, having mentors, having friends in your life that are safe places for you to confess what's going on are so important. Um, yeah. yeah, you were already answering my last question, which was we've touched on a lot of little practical things, but I'd love to kind of just sum up a few. So I think something I'm hearing both of y'all, I mean, I would jump on this too, the idea of community and, and doing at it alone. And, and I think, I mean, I just personally think of so many excuses of why I wouldn't want to be in community. And so, uh, I don't know, just thinking about, um, if I'm, if I haven't been in community for a long time, then it's like, I just would rather you roll with what's comfortable, but what are some other kind of tips and kind of ways in which people can take a next step towards whether it's getting plugged into a community, but also just even within community, it's one thing to be there. It's another thing to, to really be there and to be all there as far as opening up. So maybe what are some ways that y'all have found personally and just seen in the lives of others that, um, that have been able to, to be vulnerable and enter into that, that freedom? Yeah. Finding a safe person to go to, um, I think it's James 5, 16 that says, uh, when we confess our sins, we're healed. And I love that it doesn't say forgiven because we're already forgiven. But what we experience when we confess our sin is we receive healing because we're aware that we need this rescue from our Savior um, in an area. And doing it publicly is important. I do think that there is Great power also in personal, not that it exempts us going to other person, but that's what James 5 does say, you're right. Confess your sins to one another. Um, but you can confess to the Lord out loud. Say, I, I'm, I, Lord, I acknowledge that I fell short in this area. I acknowledge that I need help. And uh, one of the things that I'm so convinced of and convicted is that he hears our prayers. And so he will make things happen, bring people into your life, create these divine experiences that we can't explain, but that have God written all over them. He's that powerful and that 
good. So I think being aware is um, really important in, in practice confession. That's a good word, Jose. You combine a couple of thoughts that I had, and that is um, when you look at personalities and we look at differences in the way process people process things, there's, there's internal processors and there's yeah. external processors. And by definition, an external processor is going to want to talk things out loud mm-hmm. to make sense of it in Amen. their life. And those people like Jose are going to want somebody around probably when they're trying to work out. Now, where was that temptation? Where did it enter my life? How yeah. could I do it different? So having that safe person is really important. Internal processes do tend to do that inside before they ever say it out to somebody else. And that's where prayer and the Lord and time with the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit is so critical. If you are an internal processor, I don't want to totally let you off the hook. I'm one of those guys too. So I could easily say, I don't need to talk to anybody. I got, <laughs> I got me and guy got this. Um, at the very least, get some paper out and journal if you're an internal so that it's, it's at least getting it outside of your body. And you said, speak out loud to God. That's a good way to do it too. journal what you're feeling. And when the time's right, God will bring that safe person. You, mm-hmm. you mentioned Taylor community groups and the value of that. It's great to be in a community group, but man, sometimes these things are just really vulnerable and really scary and saying it out loud to four other couples, maybe more than you're ready to do. Mm-hmm. But asking your community group leader, hey, can we go get yep. some coffee? Because I've got yep. something I really need to share. Or yep. somebody that you really feel drawn to that you feel is in a mature place. Or maybe has had some experience around this before. Pulling them aside um, maybe the first step to it before you confess it to the whole yep. group. Yeah, Encounter retreats too. This is what Encounter is all about. So if you haven't been to one, consider signing up and, and attending. I'll never forget this last encounter, one person that... Um, I was praying with and he told me I had no idea that for, you know, I don't remember the amount of years um, that he, but he said many, many years I've been holding this in. I am free because he acknowledged it. He confessed it. He knew it. It was in his mind, but that weight left him as he, you know, exhaled the sin and then inhaled the goodness and the grace of God. So good. And that's what we get to experience as followers of Jesus. Yeah. Encounter does that well. Celebrate recovery. Those people, great spot for that. And counselors and pastors. That's what we're we're here for. That's That's right. That's great stuff. Jose, I'd love to give you the final word as we wrap up this week and then look forward to a few weeks left in the series. Yeah. This was a really cool conversation. I'm looking forward to next week. We'll talk about conviction uh, again, different type of conviction. Um, and then we'll talk about harmony and being on mission. I'm excited. All right. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Conversations podcast. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email us conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Thanks for being here again, everybody. It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time.